He is a Denver native born of Denver natives. A former Denver chief deputy district attorney, he is now an active Colorado trial lawyer. Bright, independent, and full of fun, he has been part of the media for decades. This is The Craig Silverman Show. Oh, what a world, what a life, what a day. Saturday, May 21, 2022. What a show we have for you. It starts with our troubadour, Dave Gunders, a CU Boulder guy. He learned about Colorado by matriculating there, and he has his beautiful song, Safe Haven. A lot of people think of the CU Boulder campus that way. The guy in charge of CU Boulder and all of the University of Colorado system, the third biggest employer in Colorado, his name, Todd Solomon. You get to meet him today. One of his first extensive interviews since taking the helm just a few weeks ago. Jerry Kennedy died. Great Denver Police Division Chief, legendary cop. We paid tribute to him with his buddy Marshall Fogel in Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. And then Greg Gold returns. Last we talked to him, he was in Krakow, Poland, on his way to Ukraine. He went there. He got there. He delivered our products too. Lieutenant Alex Gorgon, who is on the front lines. He was a lawyer, just sitting at a desk months ago, but then the war came, and now he's left his family, and he is in danger. He's willing to give his life as you will soon hear as we kick off this show with our troubadour at the end. I've got some special sound, a battle brewing between Kyle Clark and Dan Kaplis. It's fascinating. Two important Denver media figures going at it with hammer and tongs. I hope it will happen soon that they can talk to each other on my show. I've invited them both. Kyle Clark has said yes. Dan Kaplis Well, he's busy. He told me so, and then he has a vacation. Listen to the end of this show to hear what that beef is all about. But let's start with our troubadour, followed by President Solomon, followed by the great Marshal Fogel, followed by Greg Gold, and Lieutenant Gorgon from the front lines in Ukraine. What a show we have. Thanks for listening. Let's go, troubadour. It's hot in here. Did that toaster catch on fire? It wasn't that. You choked on that bite of burnt bagel. Why is everything all red? The heat is unbearable. Where am I? Excuse me, your dishonor. May I step in on behalf of my client? Mr. Silverman, proceed. Tell me one redeeming good thing your client did. He was a faithful listener to my radio show. Not good enough. He had decency and compassion for his family. He did end-of-life planning with Michael Bailey. The Michael Bailey? That is kind to your loved ones. That is smart and way too decent for this place. Your client can go. And what about me, your despicableness? Why should I? Michael Bailey is my lawyer, too. Go on, then. Get out of here. (laughs) Now, part of that was serious, and part of that was fictional. But you will die someday, and if you don't make a legal plan, the government will make one for you. Call my lawyer, Michael Bailey. His rates are reasonable, and he can meet with you and your spouse wherever you want, and on weekends and evenings. 720-394-6887 or online at mblaw.com. 
Now back to the Fred Silverman Show. Troubadour, have I had a day. Episode 97, spectacular, and now we have snowfall. Can you believe it? Yes, I believe it. I've been here a long time. Do you think our trees will survive as the sun starts to go down? Your prediction, please. They will flourish. I like your optimism. I always do. This week, I want to tell you about the show because you are so invested. Your song, Safe Haven, is beautiful because there are some hard times. But if you can find that one safe place, safe person... I love this song because it's it's about a screw-up, right? Again, it's biographical, autobiographical, right? I think most of my songs are probably about screw-ups of some sort or another. But this one has classic Dave Gunder's elements like the sun and luck and momentum. I love that part of it because I think there are generally a lot of ups and downs in life. If you hang in long enough, Hopefully luck will turn in your favor. That's what I told uh, Lieutenant Alex Gorgon. He's on the border, Belarusia and Ukraine. He's on our show with Greg Gold and Craig's Lawyers Lounge. And he said some of the most powerful things I ever heard. You have to hear it. Yes, I'm ready to give my life. I'm really ready. I have no fear by myself. No fear at all. Even under the shelling, I, I, I'm not just laying down immediately and other stuff. I have no fear, no fear at all about myself. This man, this lawyer, this man pressed into the defense of his country stated without hesitation that he's willing to give his life for his country. And a lot of his fellow soldiers just have this week. There's vicious fighting going on in Ukraine. And we have him on our podcast. So that got to me quite a bit. He's got three kids. He's an IT lawyer, not even a litigator, but he's learned these skills. And that's what you do during a war. Can you believe it? I look forward to to hearing him, Craig. And then I found out Jerry Kennedy died. Denver uh, division chief, legendary captain. You didn't grow up here, but... I'm telling you that people who knew about Denver cops knew Jerry Kennedy, and you probably heard about Elvis having friends on DPD. That was Jerry Kennedy, Ron Petrofesso, and some other guys, but mainly Kennedy and his cronies. This guy was the de facto police chief, and he was on my radio show many times. I got to work with him, and I got Marshall Fogel in Craig's Lawyer's Lounge because he was Jerry's lawyer for, I don't know, 35 years and worked with him for 50 when he was a deputy DA and all of that. So I feel blessed to have that on my show. And I have to ask you as a musician, what about Elvis? What about Elvis Presley? Do you admire him? Is he the king? He's the king. He is. All, all you have to do is, is uh, YouTube some of his early, the early footage when he was, you know, before all the movies and, 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 and the colonel and everything like that, before the hype, just to see the raw talent of Elvis. Yeah, he was the king. Now, have you ever heard the Norland charge? And the correct answer is yes, right? Because you're a CU graduate. 
Uh, how's maybe? Is that a is that a good enough answer? Anyway, the Norland charge has been recited at every CU commencement since 1935 when George Norland gave that speech. You know why I like George Norland? Um, because he is the namesake of the library. Yes. And how did he get to be that namesake? Well, maybe he liked to read. He came to power in about 1919. He was from Kansas. He was a Greek professor, and he came out to Boulder, Colorado, got some power, became an interim president, and then he was appointed by the regents, and they, he lasted 20 years. Now, during that 20 years, he was kind of amazing because the Ku Klux Klan, as we've covered on this podcast they were ascendant in Colorado. Ben Stapleton, the Democrat mayor of Denver, Judge Clarence Morley, the Republican down in Denver District Court, who ascended to be governor of Colorado. And then they dominated the legislature and they told Norland, hey, you want to keep getting money from us? You got to get rid of those Jewish professors and those Catholic professors. Wow. What do you think he did? I bet I, uh, he, did, uh, he did not relent to that pressure. I, he did no not. And yeah. he just had to raise money from other sources. Mm -hmm. And then finally, that spasm of bigotry in American politics, Colorado politics, ended and the funding was restored. And we celebrate Norlin, who went on to be a teacher in Germany in exchange program, 1933, about the time your dad described except he was in Berlin. Your dad was in Munich. He right. was in Berlin as a professor, and he watched the rise of Hitler, and he wrote about it. And he wrote a book on fascism and citizenship, which explores how far should you go with this nationalism stuff. Right. You know, saluting the flag. So this guy was ahead of his time, and he warned everybody about Hitler, died in 39, the library. He was responsible for hiring the architect that did all those buildings, the beautiful CU style. Oh, yeah. So, so Craig, and what is the Norland charge since you mentioned it? It's about you take the university with you wherever you go. Oh, I can't okay. recite it word for word, although okay. I should, and I was going to pull that up, and I may give it to you while we're talking here. But the reason I bring all this up is because, A, I'm going to write a column about this for the Colorado Sun, and B, I've got the next George Norland, because I don't know if you've noticed, we're in some kind of similar difficult 20s, like 100 years ago with clan types, sort of ascendant, and we've got a new president at CU, and his name is Todd Solomon, and he's a Denver guy, Littleton to be more exact, CU. You know what his academic credentials are? He's got a poli-sci degree. That's it, from CU. But he's got all the right experience. The regents approved him unanimously, and I think you'll find out why, because he is going to be the first guest, and that is the president of the University of Colorado. Ain't that something? Todd Solomon. I'm excited to hear him and get to know him a little better. And I told you that my son decided to transfer to CU. God willing, he might be part of the class of 2025 graduating someday, hearing that Norland charge. 
And you know Boulder better than me because you went to CU, but you lived there too, didn't you, even after you completed college? I did, yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what are your feelings about Boulder, and do you regard it as a safe haven? That's always been a safe haven for me. No, Boulder's a it's a it's it's a vibrant place. I mean, you know, you can have your issues with Boulder, but uh, there's a lot of great people up there. A lot of good ideas happen. Um, it's a it, it's a, a, a seminal place for new new business and uh, and the natural beauty can't you can't beat it. You can jump on your bike and you're in the mountains five ten minutes. No, Boulder's a great place. And it's where we all had some growth experiences, right? Safe haven, you can make some mistakes. I love that line from your song. All the things that I've done wrong, mastered them so well. Yes. <laughs> I bet you did some of that in Boulder. I'm still mastering a few. And you're still playing gigs up in Boulder. Folsom <laughs> Field. You know, my son's going to be living close to that uh Gazebo, where I watched you entertain one day oh, right. in the public the band, park, right? The band shell. Yeah, right. yeah. It's the band shell. Anyway, I love Safe Haven. I think it's one of your greatest songs, and I love them all, but I started listening to it, and the world's a scary place. And we always talk about sundowns, but then we say goodbye, and we'll see you tomorrow, I hope. So it's got that optimism we love from Dave Gunder's songs. Anything else you want to tell us about Safe Haven, or should we just give it a listen? Give it a whirl, Craig. Here's Safe Haven by our troubadour, Dave Gunders.
behaving During the pandemic and otherwise, a lot of people have so much affection for their pets. That must come up all the time. What's going to happen to Scruffy? What can you tell us about that, Michael Bailey? What you can do is create a pet trust in Colorado. You put money into trust, and then that money is available and earmarked to care for the dog. And it can last the lifetime of the dog or 21 years, whichever is shorter. And then when the time frame for the trust is up, you can dictate who gets whatever leftover money or I have several clients who will leave it to some sort of animal shelter or animal rescue to be able to care for other animals. How cool is that? You can go to Mike Bailey's office and he has offices all over and you could meet at your home, whatever. I love the way you practice law. You've kept it going for a long time. Tell everybody how they can make you their lawyer. So my phone number is 720-394-6887. And again, that's 720-394-6887. They can call me or they can go online to mobileestateplanning.com. And there's a link there where you can schedule an appointment with me. This is Todd. President Todd Solomon, University of Colorado. This is Craig, Craig Silverman, proud graduate of CU Law in 1981. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you for doing the podcast. I really appreciate it. You bet. Thanks for, thanks for asking. Have you done a lot of podcasts? I've done a couple, and not, I, definitely not a lot, but I'm looking forward to chatting with you. I've got to say, one of the reasons I like doing a podcast and writing a column for the Colorado Sun is it triggers my curiosity and my yeah. lifelong learning, even though I guess I'm a senior now and you're about 10 years behind me. Is that why you like being president of CU? I've watched you uh, on YouTube, your performance on April 20, 2022. They stole my first question. I was going to ask, is this your dream job? But I watched you and you confessed that as you uh, fought to get the job. Uh, you said, this is my dream job. And and I have to think that you're a lifelong learner as well. I am. I mean, that, that's what makes life fun, isn't it? And it is my dream job. I, it's, a, it, it's an amazing thing when I think about my journey and you know starting off at Littleton High and on to CU and then all the way to this job that is it's quite a journey and it is my dream job and the way it came about was really quite remarkable because as long as I've been alive there's been some controversy over the next president of CU and usually a divided vote among the regents you were unanimously approved. I think that's because you did a great job as interim president, but you had to get in that spot and you'd say, well, this guy must be uh, an academic of huge long standing. And 
You've got a poli-sci degree just like me. I got mine from Colorado College, and everybody said, what are you going to do with a political science degree? Go to law school? <laughs> yeah, that's what I did at CU Law. But you got a poli-sci degree at CU. I think you graduated 89. And what can you do with a poli-sci degree? You can become president of the University of Colorado. It's amazing. That's right. That's right. It's, it, it is amazing. And you know, when I when I started when I started at CU, I that wasn't the path I was on. I was on a different path. Then I took a my poli sci one hundred and one class with Professor Walt Stone, and he and he inspired me to to pursue a life of public service. And and it's just incredible how how uh, a, a skilled professor or mentor along the way can change your 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 path in life. And he changed mine. And then I had this incredible internship class when I was a senior and that led to really to every job that i've had ever since is that when you were an intern for dickie lee hollinghorst it is yeah you've done your research yeah well she was speaker (laughs) i'm pretty old too so i remember these characters and you had a great internship and she spoke out for you at that meeting and gosh she's a fan but a lot of people are how do you get a unanimous vote from the regents of the university, they're typically divided, aren't they? You know, the, they are sometimes, but the board has been working together well, and and I always worked well with the board. You know, I've, it's always been important to me to work well with all of the board members and to find ways to move the university forward together. It doesn't mean that we always agree. It doesn't mean they always agree with each other, but I I value their the their their knowledge and their connection to the community, their commitment to the university, and you get good things done together. And um, and and I was I was truly truly honored and humbled by that unanimous vote. Right, and um, I, I'll tell you this: I've never been a region. I I started thinking about the University of Colorado more than ever. One, my son has been admitted. He's part of the class of 2025. I'm excited about that. Oh, that's great. I drove up to Boulder to look at where he's going to live, his mom and the the roommate's mom. Anyway, it brought back a lot of memories. I I love Boulder, and I know CU is much more than that. But I was thinking about the University of Colorado is probably the most important enterprise in the whole state. And now you are the guy in charge. It's not just Boulder, it's Denver, it's Colorado Springs, it's it's the CU Medical Center. I mean, it's everything. It, it's, it's huge. Um, is there a more important establishment in Colorado than CU? And, and the other thing that I would say, and you always hear flagship university and okay, well, CU is probably the best known place and I take pride in it because I went to CU Law School. Now my kid's going there, but it's different. It's kind of owned by the people of Colorado as evidenced by the fact that we get to vote for Board of Regents who are your boss. Isn't it unique among universities in Colorado? It 
It is, but it's part of a higher ed ecosystem. You know, all all of the institutions in Colorado are incredibly important to the communities that, that they serve. But of course, I am most proud of the University of Colorado system. So, you know, and, and um, you know, we're we're the third largest employer in the state. We you know we 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 have nearly seventy thousand students. It's a, it's an extraordinary extraordinary place. And um, you know, just our commitment to educating the people of Colorado, doing outstanding research, providing incredible medical care. What a what a what an honor it is to lead it. But I don't do it alone. You know, it is an entire team of of leaders and faculty and staff, and and it's the students and alumni like you who make us what we are. And um, you know, it, one of the things that that I think is so important for us to remember is 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 the name of, of the place where we work the university of colorado and we need to reflect colorado the diversity of people and opinions of our state and we don't necessarily do that well right now and we need to do better at it and it's an, it's a priority for me but it's an incredible place when, when we go around the state and we talk to people about what they want from cu and what we can do for them it's clear that the people of Colorado value the quality of of the university and want to be part of it. Um, not always, not everybody always feels like they're like they are part of it, and we, so we have work to do in that space. But but it is a gem in our great state. Well, let's figure out who's in charge now. We heard that you went to Littleton High. Um, tell us about your upbringing. Did your family have connections to education, or what did they do? Are they still with us? I bet they're so proud. They, yep. So my parents live about a mile from me, uh, and and um, I went to Littleton High, Isaac Newton Junior High, and Peabody Elementary, and all in all in Littleton, and um, and then went to CU Boulder, and uh, I. I was, I was um, born and bred in in Colorado, and um, did you my, always my did parents, you always want to go to CU? Were you the first in your family to go there, or was it kind of a tradition? My brother went to CU, and he graduated in 1985. He he graduated the year I started, and he got a business degree, and he he lives in Los Angeles now. My my mom went back to. Um, to college when I started kindergarten, and she ended up um, becoming a community college president in Kansas City, and she she has since retired. And you know my my family has has deep roots. Both sides of my family, my mom and my dad's side, have deep roots in in the Denver community. There, my both, both of my parents are, are are were born in Denver, and as were their parents. Now, do well, we know each other parents. at all? I'm trying to think if we I don't remember. know. I, I I don't know if we do or not. My 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 mom's parents were were born here. My dad's my dad's weren't. But what uh, about a guy named Floyd Solomon? Do you know? Yeah. Him? So, yep. I'm 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 related. So anybody who spells their name the way I do, I'm related. S a l i m a n. Right. That's right. And do people get hung up on the pronunciation? Do you? Oh yeah, people get hung up on the pronunciation all the time. And but should it be pronounced it. just like Solomon? Yes. That's what I think. Thanks for asking. I appreciate you asking. 
Well, it's a little confusing. I have a client named Solomon, and Floyd Solomon was a, a family friend, but it's kind of a small world for those of us who are natives. I brag on being fourth generation. How about you? Third. Third. Yep, I'm third. And it's um, Colorado has changed so much, and Denver has changed so much. But, you know, it's it's really... It, 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 it's it's still incredible for me to to hear about how how the country and the world talks about Colorado because you know we're we're the place to be now and it wasn't always like that and it's it's um, the world the world has discovered the the awesomeness of Colorado right and we're discovering uh, a lot about you and I reviewed your resume, and I understand why you were selected unanimously, because really, your career has set you up with all the skills you need to pull off the job, right? You know the legislature, you know the executive branch. Let's start with your legislative experience, because not everybody serves the better part of a decade under the Gold Dome. Tell everybody about that, how you got into politics and, and what you did during your time as a legislator? So I, I was actually applying for graduate school at the time. And then the person who had the, the, the legislative seat that I ended up running for uh, before me, she, she decided to not run again. And so I was 27 and um, could afford to live off of the $17,500 salary back then. And, um, and so I, I, I threw my hat in the ring and I ended up winning my Democratic primary in Boulder by four votes. And um, and when I got down to the to the to the legislature, I quickly figured out that the things that I wanted to get done um, cost money. And so I had to figure out a way to pay for them. And that's when I got onto the Joint Budget Committee and and learned how to work, you know, with colleagues on the other side on the other side of the aisle to get things done. And um, and it was a wonderful experience, and I did that for eight years. We have term limits in Colorado, and you can only serve for eight years in in each chamber, and and um, and it was just a wonderful experience. Right, and that led to jobs with governors like Hickenlooper and Bill Ritter. We have that in common. I worked with Bill Ritter for a while until I ran against him. You probably remember that. You got in the legislature in '94. There I was running against Bill Ritter in '96. Do you remember that? I do, I do. And he, you know, so and he was an incredible boss to me. So when, so after I was in the legislature, I, I then went and did some advocacy work for a variety of organizations, nonprofit organizations like K through 12, and and mental health groups, developmental disabilities, healthcare, and of course CU. And then when Governor Ritter was was elected he he gave me a call and 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 i competed for for the job to be the the state budget director and i was so grateful that he hired me to do that and we did wonderful things together and then we had this awful great recession and we had to keep the state's budget balanced during some really really difficult economic times but he did an amazing job, and I was honored to be part of protecting the things that were most valuable to Colorado. 
And isn't that what it kind of comes down to? There's limited resources, and you got to try to scrape up as much as you can from the state, which has a responsibility to fund higher ed, but Colorado hasn't been doing great at that, and you are bent on improving that. And then I think you try to raise money from anybody and everybody you can, including me. I'm going to write that <laughs> check to you guys. And do I have your job right? You just need to get resources to make all the great things that see you possible. And that comes from stakeholders, from anybody who loves CU, wants to put them in their estate planning. It comes from all directions. Am I right? It does. It comes from all directions. And while the, the legislature and governor have really stepped up for higher education over the last, you know, quite a few years, you know, Colorado is limited in its ability to fund higher education. It just is. It's just math. We're 47th in the country when it comes to funding higher education. It has a real world impact. It results in us not being able to um, provide the financial aid that some of our um, peers around the country do. It, it results in us not being able to pay the wages that we would like to be able to pay. We, we can't maintain our buildings the way we would like to. And it's not just CU, it's all higher education in Colorado. And one of the things that, that I really want to do is to you know, reconnect CU and reconnect CU to the people of Colorado. Talk about what the people of Colorado want from higher education, what they want from CU. Share with them what we think we can provide. And... Um, and really start to re, um, and reinvigorate this understanding of the value of, of higher education in Colorado so that, you know, when it comes time to possibly asking the people of our great state for more money to support higher education so that we can do our job for them and um, that they'll say yes. You've brought up the word value. I think about values. I think about Back when you and Bill Ritter were crafting a budget, it was a moral document. Isn't that the way you put it, as I recall? And when you ask yep, for money for definitely. CU, you know how the monetary process works better than anybody. That's why I would have voted yes to make you the next president. But there are other values involved in leading uh, this preeminent flagship university and a part of it is maintaining the legacy and the history of people who have come before you. And uh, there's one guy who fascinates me because we're both natives. My grandfather, Harry, worked on the 16th Street. It wasn't a mall then, in the old Sims building as a lawyer. But back in the day, he couldn't go to court because there was a Klan judge there named Clarence Morley who went on to be governor of Colorado. He was a Republican, a Democrat named Ben Stapleton was also affiliated with the Klan, and he was mayor of Denver, and that wasn't great for my grandpa, who was a Jewish guy. And there weren't a lot of allies standing up to the Klan. They were really taking hold in Colorado Springs, Denver, and then they tried to take hold in Boulder, too, and they put pressure on a CU president, who was an interim president at the start, but then he served 20 years, like I think you will, if not more. But I just like George Norland. The library up there is named after him. What do you think when I bring up George Norland? The, the, the word that comes to my mind is courageous. You know, he stood up against the, the legislature and the governor, the, you know, controlled by the Klan, 
back then, and they and so they they had demanded the governor had demanded that he purge Catholics and Jews from the faculty of the university. He refused, and they eliminated state funding for the university. and And CU had to survive during those years off of a melody that had that was actually in the constitution uh, when CU was started. But and that's how that's how CU survived. And then when the when the Klan lost control of the of the legislature, the you know, funding was reinstated. But he you know, he stood his ground and. Um, at, you know, risk to the university and, uh, you know, what an incredible person and, and talking about, talking about humbling, you know, to follow in, in those footsteps, that's an amazing thing. And, and, um, great, great person. And the man went on to travel and as luck would have it, he was in Germany teaching a class. He was an expert in, uh, Greek, all things Greek, right? And and he went over to Germany to teach for a year, and it was right during the rise of Hitler, and he wrote about it. He documented it. He warned America and the rest of the world, didn't he? He did. He did. And, uh, you know, and we saw what, we saw that the world didn't quite listen, and we had some very dark times in our world, my 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 wife's father actually lived in in Berlin during the Holocaust and survived, and along with his mom and his sister and and um, and George Norland, you know, he spoke up and he stood up. And the reason I bring it up now, President Solomon, is I think we're in tough times now, and you are going to be called on to get involved in controversial issues. And I bet you might have been already. COVID has become controversial. Everything's controversial. Immigration, that touches on universities. Healthcare. Roe v. Wade will have ripple effects through your campus. Are you ready for all that? I am. I am, I am ready. And you know, college campuses are, you know, like where we started the conversation, you know, the love of learning. Well, that's what college campuses are all about. And we have to be willing to listen to each other and learn from each other. And that's where social issues are, are often going to hit first. And and I am happy to embrace the that you know freedom to have those conversations. We need to keep it civil. We need to keep it safe. Uh, but we need to be open to hearing what each other thinks. Right. It is important to learn from each other. I think it's great that you're the 24th president of CU. For me, 24 has always been a lucky number. I'm 11224 on my bar card. And Bill Ritter, who is standing next to me when we got pre-sworn in so we could start as deputies right away, they wanted to put us to work. He's 11223. But I like wow. 24. And then uh, Kobe Bryant was 24. Willie Mays was 24. Is 24 a cool number to you? It is now. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that might be my lucky number. Let me ask you this. Um, George Norlin is the guy I'm studying and thinking about. And in my mind, he had to be one of the great presidents of CU. But you're more of an expert. Are there other presidents you look to and say, 
gosh, I'd like to do that job, or is Norlin the the top of the heap? No, when 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 you look at what what he did and what the stand that he took, that's you know that that is something to measure all of us by, not just in higher education, but just in life. But we've had many amazing presidents at CU who have truly advanced the university. But it's not, you know, it's not just it's not just me, and it's not just the presidents. It's the entire university community. You know, it's the it's the faculty who are the heart and soul of what we do. You know, they they they're the ones who teach. They're the ones who do the research. They're the ones who who really carry on this extraordinary tradition that we have. They're the ones who. And take care of us when we're sick and we go to see Ranchutes. And so when, and then you look at the, you look at our amazing staff and the work they do to, to make sure that students are having a, a good experience and trying to help them navigate, which are sometimes some challenging years, you know, during college. Right. And yeah, and, no kidding. Yeah. And, and you've got kids like mine. I mean, your kids are college age. I, I read a great profile of you and your family in the Intermountain Jewish News. And I, I would humbly submit that another thing you're leaving out, and it's probably owing to George Norlin and his vision, Boulder is beautiful, but it's made more beautiful by the distinct, incredible architecture on campus wasn't that a Norland thing too? And that, even that the library was. named in his honor, he didn't quite live to see it dedicated, but he got it all planned and started. It is a beautiful yeah. campus. And isn't that a Norland thing too? It was. That, that was done on his watch. He's the one who who oversaw the, the, the decision to to um, use that architectural style that we continue to use today at CU Boulder. And it has made it one of the most beautiful campuses in the world. You know, we, a couple of years ago, I saw this, you know, their rankings all the time. And we were in the top 10 most beautiful campuses in the world. And um, this time of year, especially in the spring, it's just, it's, uh, just an, an extraordinary sight to see. It doesn't hurt to have Boulder as backdrop. But then Colorado Springs beat Boulder out. My old college town, Pikes Peak, is amazing in the rankings of the best city. Although I like the number four, Boulder dropped to number four. It's been a tough time in Boulder. CU is a part of it, the Marshall Fire, the shootings. Just back to these controversial issues. Um, to me, CU has to be a little like the news channels. They'd really want to be objective, show both sides, etc. But on some things, are there really two sides? For example, climate change. Um, are there two sides or... Uh, women's rights. Are there two sides? And then even the big lie and these threats to democracy. I don't know. I talk to a lot of news people on my podcast. Are there some things that are just beyond debate? Come on, everybody's get on board. Let's start with climate change. So climate change is real and the science proves that it's real. And um, to me, that's uh, kind of uh, it, it, it's been proven time and time again, and all you have to do is walk out the door. These days, you know, we had our we had our our eighty degree day or whatever it was yesterday, and then we're we're going to have our our blizzard today. And you know, we 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 we've seen these incredible swings in in climate around around the state, nation, and world. 
we've experienced forest fires like we've never seen before and we're going to continue to do that we have this extraordinary drought that we're all experiencing and i don't i don't know what else you you need to be able to to see in order to 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 understand the the significance of this challenge that we're all facing well i understand your job better having watched that youtube and i know that you have five buckets students research diversity community service and then your clinical mission and i got to thinking about that maybe i'm a part of it as a lawyer you train lawyers to go out there and hopefully help people in Colorado deal with the law and circumstances there. You do it with doctors, dentists. You train them to help people. Is that the clinical part? Because I'm proud to be a part of it. It is. And we have this extraordinary uh, health center. The Anschutz, the Anschutz campus is an, is an amazing resource for for people in Colorado, the the extraordinary healthcare that we provide, the really cutting edge research that we conduct, that just is propelling not just the state but the nation and the world forward, and you know, find, researching uh, cures for cancer and and treatments for Alzheimer's, and you know, and just just amazing. It's like. It's like science fiction sometimes when you when you hear about the, the, the things that are going on on that campus. Our other campuses are doing critical research in health also, and they're part of producing the healthcare workforce. UCCS in Colorado Springs has an amazing nursing program and is part of meeting that critical need in, in our state as well. Well, I love to see you. I think that was bred into me. It's bred into all Coloradans. I rooted for them in football from my earliest days. And we haven't even, we're not going to touch on sports, although that's a big aspect. I'm more concerned about my child. Am I going to get a bang for the buck? Is it still a good idea to spend big money on a higher education, specifically at the University of Colorado? President Solomon, the floor is yours. It is. Higher education is an incredible value, especially when you're a resident student going to a re- to an in-state institution, and not just in Colorado, but in any state. Um, when you have a four-year degree, on average, you'll make $1.5 million more over, over your life. You'll have a higher income, and you'll have you'll, you're more you're more likely to be employed. Unemployment rates for College graduates during the pandemic were much lower than unemployment rates for people without a four-year degree, and um, it, it's you know the, the 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 results are very clear that a four-year degree is well well worth it. And we you know I know that there are there are you know very technical skills that are needed to for many jobs in the world today, and those skills are very important and we need to be part of providing that it's also important that people have a well-rounded education so that they can do you know have the critical thinking skills that they need to be successful in the in the rapidly changing world you know technical skills change critical thinking skills they last a lifetime well my brother bill graduated from cu in 1977 but i did not go to that graduation i went to his law school graduation three years later but my point is this I don't think I've ever been to a CU graduation, but I've come to learn that there's an honor to the late, great President George Norlin, 
by reading the New Orleans charge at every ceremony. Is that true? Every ceremony. One of the regents reads the New Orleans charge at the end of the graduation ceremony. It's an incredible charge. And, um, and I've, I've, I've listened to it a few times these last few weeks and, um, it's inspiring, inspiring every time I listen to it. And just to paraphrase, it, it, it says the university goes with you. And the thing about Norlin is he was an expert on Greek history, and he talked about history repeating itself. And I think that the inscription at Norlin Library on the CU Boulder campus that you've got to learn from history. It's more artfully put than that. Uh, are you an adherent to that rule? And my gosh, to have the same word spoken ever since 1935 when George Norland came up with it. What an honor. What a man. What an honor. And, and it's so true. You know, we, we, have to, we have to know and understand our past. And, and um, that's why the, the well-rounded education that we provide and other colleges around Colorado provide is so critical. Because you know the, you know of course we need the the technical skills that are, that are you know for today's society in terms of coding or artificial intelligence and machine learning and and um, and engineering and and all of those things you know very very important but we also need to know our history we need we need to know where we come from we need to be able to think about these things critically we're flooded by information these days. We have social media and algorithms and propaganda, and it's everywhere. We need to be able to sift through that. And the way you, the way you sift through that is with critical thinking skills. And that's what we teach. That's what other colleges and universities teach. And it's critical for the, for the health of our, of our democracy. I heard you say on April 20th, this would be my dream job. You were already interim president, but now you're the real deal. What, for a few weeks now? Do you like it? Is it still your dream job? How long do you want to be there? Are you going to surpass George Norlin, who did 20 years? This is absolutely my dream job. I love it. I love it every day. I'm honored every day to do it. I'm, I am. I always say it, that I'm humbled, and I am. And you meet with the, with, the, with the faculty and the staff and the students, and it is you, you realize what it what it what an amazing place CU is, and CU is the people who work here, the people who go to school at CU, the people who graduated from it, like you, like me, and it's just an an amazing honor. And I take one day at a time, and I hope that I can do this for for quite a while. I'm humbled and honored that you came on my podcast. I wish you nothing but the greatest success. Thank you so much, President Solomon. Thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. Michael Bailey, a friend, a lawyer, a sponsor. Tell everybody how you bring peace of mind to their life. So by setting up your estate plan, you know what's going to happen to your stuff when you die. You know where it's going to go. You know who's going to get it. We've got everything in place. So we're not running to a court to try to get 
guardianship and conservatorship as quickly as possible. But then it's an orderly proceeding of things. So, you know, there's already enough chaos with the medical emergency, but the legal part of it and who can make decisions is all outlined, it's all set up. So there's, it's like the, the smooth transition of power. That's cool because you can avoid so many problems by having a medical power of attorney and discussing it with a smart guy like Michael Bailey because who should have this? It's probably somebody close. Who do you trust most among your children to make that call? These are the hard and good questions that you ask every day, right, Michael? Right, and if you ask them beforehand, when you're not in the middle of a crisis, then when a crisis hits, we're not trying to do crisis management and medical emergency and everything else. We're going, okay, we've got a smooth transition of power here. We've got a smooth who's in charge, and we can have that all flow so that we can focus on the care. There are so many things in life that you can fill out a form and save yourself money, save yourself heartache. Some people die out of nowhere quickly, but more often you get sick, you have medical difficulties, so it all goes together. But your system works, it works beautifully. What is the best way to contact you these days? Best way, uh, you can give me a call. My phone number is 720-394-6887. And again, that's 720-394-6887. Or you can go online to michaelbaileylawllc.com. And there is a an appointment page on my website that you can use. So either way is fine. Thanks, Michael. Welcome to Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. Marshall Fogel, you knew Jerry Kennedy pretty darn well. I've had you on so many times. In fact, I have my Maurice Rose coin sitting here in my studio that you gave me. I really admired Jerry Kennedy. He was on the radio with me many times. I worked with him for 16 years as a prosecutor, but... You knew him a lot better, Marshall. You were a prosecutor in Denver. You went on to be one of the top lawyers for the Denver Police Union. I bet you knew Jerry Kennedy really well. You're correct, Craig. I represented Jerry all of his career and uh, his family. And uh, as you know, I represented law enforcement all over the state for many years. And I say that because Jerry Kennedy was the gold standard in law enforcement. Uh, he always had a couple great sayings. And one was, hey, uh, do nothing, nothing happens. Do something, something happens. Uh, hey, what have you done for the police department lately? And that really sums up his dedication and his devotion to his duty, not only to being a top police officer, but he's also a friend of the community as well. Um, Over the years, uh, the political pundits always try to do something to uh, interfere with Kennedy's career because he was a national figure. A lot has to do with his tight friendship with Elvis Presley. Uh, They were dear, close friends. In fact, Elvis When Jerry Kennedy's brother passed away, Elvis attended uh, Eugene Kennedy's funeral and would spend 
amazing amounts of time when Elvis was in Denver. But beyond that, Kennedy influenced the careers of so many police officers that became commanders of the in the police department here in Denver as well. Uh, no matter where they put Jerry, whether it's community relations, the narcotics bureau, detective bureau, he always made it the best. And I think that summarizes him. As far as my friendship with him is concerned, he was loyal to a fault. And uh, we remained friends. I uh, attended with him at a birthday party for uh, Frenchie Benzart, 90th birthday party. This was about two months ago. And I sat with Jerry, took care of him because he was very sick with cancer. And at the end of the birthday party at the PPA building, Jerry put his hand lightly on my hand and said, I love you. And I knew that was the closure for me that things were coming to an end. He had a great life. I like to remember him in his prime. I was just thinking about that with Norm Early. God, he'd walk into a room and he'd dominate. But the same thing with Jerry Kennedy. He was a big man. He was powerfully built. And he could tell a joke with the best of them. He loved to laugh. But the man could be as serious as a heart attack, especially if you were a bad guy in Denver. Yeah, I mean, he that is true. And some of the people that I remember that he really influenced in their careers was Ron Tetrafesso, Bob Cantwell, Mike Dowd, Steve Metros, John Gray, another great detective. Uh, the, the list just goes on and on and on. He captured the hearts and minds of so many people. Uh, uh, I don't think in my career of 50 years representing clients, particularly law enforcement, there's I've never met anybody that could match Jerry Kennedy in, in all aspects. He was so popular. Didn't that lead to a little tension occasionally? Wouldn't chiefs of police have to look over their shoulder a little bit? Maybe even mayors of Denver because Jerry had a big power base and some of it was built on this dynamic leadership ability of him. But he also uh, was in charge of off-duty employment, which was powerful. Talk about that, Marshall. Well, I represented Jerry when when the Internal Revenue Service and the political pundits were after him. Uh, he was head of security for major sports events and hired many police officers to work off-duty. So there was a question of whether Jerry was responsible for paying certain amount of taxes to the IRS, to the federal government. So it turns out that uh, uh, over time, he was exonerated by the IRS. And, uh, you know, that doesn't happen very often. So the you, thing about you, Jerry, you need to have a great lawyer like Marshall Fogel. Well, Craig, uh, I think you're even greater than I am. So I've never won uh, a tax case like that, and uh, I knew Jerry in a lot of ways, worked with him as a prosecutor on big cases, but he considered you his lawyer. That's quite a compliment, don't you think? 
it's an honor. It was an honor for me. And uh, just to, uh, you know, just to be around them, you made a good point. There was an aura. It's like some like a halo effect. It just he just captured the room. And uh, I know uh, guys like Cantwell and Savaris who became uh, involved with the prison system. Uh, they were good friends of him as uh, of Jerry as well, and speak highly of him. There's, you know, if you got to know him. Uh, you knew how what a wonderful person he he, he was. Uh, he one statement that caused him some difficulty was when there was a lot of crime in Denver. Jerry said, "Give me ninety men in ninety days, and I'll clear clean this thing up." That's he probably if they would have given him ninety days and ninety men and women police officers, he would have cleaned the town up. I mean, he was that good. But he was, he and, was a- and, and, you know, to me as a law enforcer, and you were too, there are in Denver some really bad people who commit crimes every day victimizing people. Jerry Kennedy sincerely wanted to catch those people. That's why he was in the business, and I admired him so much for that. So, uh, and, and other officers would would work hard for him. He was a natural leader, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the, you know, you're a lawyer as well as myself. You, you, you're born with the gift of being able to publicly speak and to be able to influence people. Jerry was on the top of his game in that respect. Uh, I think one word to summarize Jerry is his reputation. Honest, good, cared about the community, cared about his fellow officers, gave up his time to help others. I mean, it goes, the list goes on and on and on and on. Uh, I mean, there were guys like Donnie Brannon, Lou Lopez. I mean, there are so many police officers uh, that he, he helped in their career. That, I bring that to your attention because he gave so much and expected so little in return. You can't beat a guy like that. And he was, uh, you know, he's uh, he's a man of faith. Uh, he's a, a Catholic, uh, and he uh, he cared about his faith. He cared about his family. He's got a wonderful family. His wife Joni is terrific. So uh, I could spend hours about. Oh, just talk to me about that because I knew of his love for his wife. They were married forever, and uh, he he seemed to have. Just a wonderful family, but I don't know them the way you do. Are they as good as they appear? And and what would you say? Because, look, in the end, that's our legacy, right? I mean, I have great feelings for Chief Kennedy. I always called him Chief because he was Division Chief. And uh, he would come on the radio and tell these stories, and I, I just— thought he was a man in full. I can't believe Norm Early and him passed away so close to each other. Two big impacts in my life. But I didn't know him on a personal level. Talk about Joan. Talk about the family. And uh, what do you think his legacy will be? Well, uh, Joni is just a wonderful lady. Uh, uh, they were had a wonderful marriage for many, many years. Uh, uh, his family, 
that was always close to Jerry's, particularly in the last couple of years when Jerry was battling cancer. Um, uh, so uh, again, it was a it's a close knit uh, family of faith, and uh, I, I I think that sums it up as well as anybody could. Well, he sure was a gift to the city of Denver. You're a Denverite, born and bred, still a Brighton Denver. What do you think Denver should do to honor Jerry Kennedy? I can't believe he's gone. But he was 90, and, you know, he suffered his last few years. But wouldn't you agree he had a great, impactful life? And I would say he was happy. He was golfing well into his 80s, and uh, he stayed strong for a long time. He can't go on forever. But I think a park or, you know, the police athletic league already has some stuff named after him, but maybe a city park should be named for the guy. Well, in response to your question, the Jerry Kennedy Center is closed now and uh, it's empty. Uh, I think they do some things there. The city fathers and mothers are trying to figure out what to do with it. So I don't know whether that name will remain on the building but to bring it to your attention what should be done is uh as a member of the denver police officers foundation and i was the founder of the denver police brotherhood we will figure out some way to uh create a legacy and a memorial for in honor of jerry's memory and and his accomplishments so uh, i can guarantee you that uh something wonderful will be done so no one ever forgets them. The other thing I wanted to tell you is we are working on a Denver Police Museum close around where the uh, stockyards are located in the Coliseum. And I'm about to, uh, I've been asked to do a video on Jerry Kennedy because I have so many photographs. One of the light moments when Jerry had a birthday party you could uh, a fellow named Izzy Rosenblum used to put it together. We would have 400 people at Jerry's birthday party, and I would dress up as a Catholic priest because I do a lot of impressions. And I got a crown from a a, a, uh, a costume store with an ermine robe, and I'd put it on Jerry, and I would say things like, uh, "Oh, I'm talking to Jerry's." Uh, mother and Jerry, the little boy, came home and he was crying. And the mother said, Jerry's mother said, well, why was he so upset? And I said, because when he went to confession, I had to tell him he's not the son of God. And the whole place cracked up. <laughs> and then uh, I You know on, why? Because you don't often hear a priest talking in a Yiddish accent like that. But keep going. <laughs> so after... I did that on the stage in front of 400 people in a downtown hotel. We put on a recording, Love Me Tender by Elvis, and I had everybody from the Narcotics Bureau oh. come on the stage and kiss Kennedy's ring while they're playing Love oh. Me Tender. What How year, what was, year that? was that? What year was that? Oh, that would be back in the, probably in the late 80s, you know, and uh, we'd put on a big birthday party oh, for Jerry. The days. Uh, yeah. I, I will tell you this. There were two great people. One became chief, Art Dill, best chief in the world. And Jerry should, should have been his successor. But again, the politics weren't there for him. But as far as I'm concerned, he, 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 he was a chief. 
That's how, and he, he would have been a good one. But nonetheless, he performed as he was, as if he were a chief of police. Right. He was, and, he was kind of the de facto chief, to use some legal jargon, right? I mean, people looked up to him, just these parties you're talking about. He mentored so many people in so many divisions of the police. And I can't think of a better person in charge of a legacy than Marshall Fogel because you've proved it over and over. And we want you back on when that firms up. But tell us about Major General Maurice Rose, another Colorado hero you're dedicated to honoring. And uh, what's next? Well, we uh, the statute now is ready to get bronze. It's 18 feet tall, and it's uh, it's magnificent. George Lundeen, the world class sculptor, has done a magnificent job, and we're hoping somewhere around August 1st we will have the uh, unveiling and an enormous event. Uh, everything is falling in place. We've raised practically all of the money to privately to put this wonderful statue up. Uh, At the Capitol on Colorado Day? It, yeah, that's our plan. You know, we, uh, we're we working with uh, Saunders Construction Company, and they're hoping to get all the subcontractors on board. And that's an issue that we're dealing with right now. And if we don't get it done by August 1st, uh, to get the unveiling, then we'll we'll just have to reschedule it. But uh, we're hoping to have a flyover, uh, you know, from the uh, Air Force, like uh, you see at the Bronco games. Right. I mean, it's uh, this is a, a big deal for Colorado and for the veterans. It, it will be at Veterans Park, and in light of all this commotion with statutes, what what an amazing honor it is for the state legislature to uh and with the governor and alex garnett's help and others they voted unanimously to put that statue on the premises of veterans park it will be located uh right on the corner of uh, uh 14th avenue it'll be lit up at night uh it'll have uh sayings on it like uh the most decorated battle tank commander in U.S. military history. How wonderful it is that he was raised here in Colorado. He he went to uh, East High School for a while. He was a Beth uh, Joseph boy. His dad was rabbi at Beth Joseph. He was the most decorated tank commander in history. I'm going to put in my show notes the episode when you were on talking about Maurice Rose. It's just amazing. And uh, I'm also thinking about you because I'm about to interview uh, new CU president, Todd Solomon. And I know you have thoughts about CU too, right? Yes, that's I mean, correct. It, there's a lot of change and it's uh, it all comes flooding back. Let's not, uh, let's leave that for another day. But I just want to acknowledge your, a great CU guy, and and I was seeing uh, our friend Dr. Kevin Fitzgerald, who is the uh, veterinarian who worked with Jerry for Feline and Barry Fay and all the things that Jerry did up at Red Rocks. He was connected to the entertainment community, not just Elvis 
He knew everybody, a lot of big shots. Uh, I bet every big athlete in Colorado knew him well. I bet John Elway knew him well. Just let's wrap with that. Jerry had to know everybody. You know everybody, but Jerry, he did too, right? Jerry, I could walk down the street with Jerry on 17th Street and people from all walks of life, rich, poor, wealthy, middle class, Hey, Jerry, what's up? I mean, he, he, no one looked like him. I mean, he was all Irish. Looked, I mean, if you want to talk about someone who looks Irish, it was Jerry Kennedy. He was the most recognizable person, tall in stature, uh, had a voice that you never forgot. I, I will close by telling you, uh, this, this is a hole in my heart. Uh, we were that close. Uh, he influenced my life as well as anybody could. Uh, I will miss him as I miss Norm Early and, and uh, some of the other people that you and I have known that have passed away. It's, it's a sad day for all of us. Right, but he had a great life. I can't wait to see you at the celebration of Jerry's life, although it's going to be such a mob scene. Um, I don't know that I'll find you, but I found you for this interview on very short notice. You are a friend of this show. Welcome back to Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. We'll have you back as the honor for Maurice Rose takes further shape, literally and figuratively. Marshall, thanks a lot. You have a great day, Craig. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Bye. I've been fighting for Colorado crime victims for the last four decades. There's a great new Colorado law. It allows victims as far back as January 1, 1960 to hold accountable the perpetrators and the organizations that allowed it to happen. If you were sexually assaulted, now is the time to come forward. Call me anytime you are ready at 303-861-2800. Ask for Craig, Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. Welcome to Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. Gosh, we have an international show. Welcome back to Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. Greg Gold, the Gold Law Firm, Greenwood Village, successful Colorado injury attorney. He just embarked on an adventure when last we spoke to him. He was in Krakow on his way to Lviv. And he left us in suspense two weeks ago. Greg Gold, welcome back to Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. And you've brought me some further guests. Tell us about yourself. And don't, you've got to not leave us with this cliffhanger. What happened to you guys? I'm glad you survived. I'm back in the lounge, Craig. We have made it back from Ukraine. We were there about uh, two weeks in whole between Krakow, Poland, and Rome. And and Lviv, Ukraine, and we made it from the border from Krakow, Poland, to Medica. We crossed by walking across the border with the equipment, the tactical supplies, the first aid equipment, and we then took a uh, ride from Medica, fresh with an air raid siren, you had to get out of the car, made it over to Lviv, and at that point, I met one of a hero in my life now, Lieutenant Alex Gorgon, who is here with us right now who met us in in Lviv 
and uh, and took the supplies that we needed to outfit one platoon, and we'll talk about what our plan is for the future for that. I was able to post a video of Lieutenant Gorgon and you over in Lviv. Before we get to our special guest over in Ukraine, what was it like when you crossed the border? What did you feel? How many days did you spend in Ukraine? And were you frightened? Okay. <laughs> we're, we're, we're fighting to bring the materials over, and Lieutenant Gorgon's doing the fighting. But it was, and I listened to a broadcast today from NPR, the most terrifying part from coming over is not knowing what to expect. It's kind of like the regular part of life for our clients and everything else that we do in the law, the uncertainty of it. So we get to the border, and there is a line of vehicles that is probably 10 miles long. And then there's a line of trucks that is literally 10 miles long, side by side. And I said, why are the why are the vehicles there to our driver? And he said, because there's no tax apparently now in the Ukraine for vehicles. So they're bringing some vehicles over to sell them from Poland over into Ukraine. But our driver brought us right up. And it was with Rosa and I, my better half, we brought, brought us right up to the border. We had two suitcases full of the gear that we were going. And we just quietly walked across. There's German shepherds and dogs. And you just didn't know what was going to happen. Look, the, the, the person directly in the eye said the truth, that we're bringing over supplies for the troops. And they had us walk about another pass, push the passport down and had us walk about another half a mile until we had our other driver who picked us up as we walked through the barbed wire fencing and arrived into Ukraine. And from there, you take the, you take the road for about an hour and a half and as you get into Lviv, Craig, you start to see sandbags. You start to see those anti, anti-tank setups that they, that, that they have. And they drove us, and I'll talk to you about it too, they drove us by the horrific situation at the train station where uh, Lieutenant Gorgon is going to talk about what they really need because they're sending the cruise missiles or their whatever missiles they call them from the Black Sea, from the submarines, directly into there. And they need some anti-missile defense in Ukraine in addition to this tactical gear in the, in the day-to-day combat. Well, there's a closet in my home studio. I don't think I have anything like that to give you to go back. But I got the video... And let's do go to our special guest, because he is there now, I think. I'm not sure. I hope he's five miles outside of Moscow, uh, on the verge of Putin's surrendering. Lieutenant Alex Gorgon, it's an honor, sir, to have you on my podcast. Uh, it's a big honor for me to have opportunity to speak with you and with our audience of United States, of Colorado, of the nation, which are standing with Ukrainians in this dark time. So thank you so much for this chance. Well, let's find out about you. What is the formal title of the Ukrainian army? Is it that, or is it something uh, different? Well, When I say you are Lieutenant Alex Gorgon of the Ukrainian National Army? Yes, I am Lieutenant. I'm a first Lieutenant uh, in the... A Ukrainian army. In a, uh, I'm a deputy commander of the c- company. Uh, well, and actually, this is my uh, officer rank. So yes, formally, I am in in this title. And how long have you been in the military? Well, <laughs> it's a uh, quite uh, shocking. Probably will be for you because uh, just since the war started, 
from the end of the uh, February. Before that, I uh, spent a few years in the university, and we had a special military department. When when I uh, actually I finished law department as my major, but uh, in the same time it, I had opportunity to obtain the officer title, uh, but not involving in the uh, regular service in the army. So I just uh, used this opportunity to get the rank of lieutenant, and I spent two years in this department of military science. So, right. And when and you say when, that, the, I, when, just to clarify, when you say when the war started, is that when yes. Putin went after Crimea or just more recently this year, 2022? Well, this is very, very correct question uh, of you because really uh, the war was started eight years ago when uh, the Crimea was invaded. And actually, but... Uh, I was trying to go to the war those time, but I, I have uh, three children, and in the recruiting center, I uh, I had rejection. Uh, I I cannot go there because uh, I have no military experience in the war zone, and uh, I have uh, three kids. So, by, but but, by but, the, but now they'll take you right because the situation is more dire. No, I have to be honest. In this time, in the recruiter center, uh, I said that I have experience in military action. So, and they took me, and it actually was not quite uh, quite true because it was partly true. Uh, I've been in the war zone as a volunteer with the humanitarian aids, but I never took action like uh, military men. L- Lieutenant Corgan, let me uh, ask this, and let me kind of remind myself what happened as we we met. I asked you how you got involved, and you, I've never seen, and it's stuck in my mind since, when you said four months ago, essentially, you were an attorney like Craig and I sitting behind a desk with three kids, yeah. and you didn't have to go into the military. You were exempted from the military. And tell me what you said. You said you had two choices. And I, I said, why are you doing this? Why, are, If you're exempted, you're an attorney, you're needed for that. What were Tell, tell the audience what you said to me when you said, why am yeah, I going I can, back in? I can, yes, I can repeat it because uh, the situation is still like in those times, and it's like this because it's not just my choice. It's the choice of my generation in, in my country, of my, my people. We have no other choice like die or win, and I don't want to die. Well, let me tell you about my friend Greg Gold. Long before the Ukrainian problem reared its ugly head and ugly, I'm talking about Putin. We were thinking about World War II, and Greg Gold was a student of it. And back then in America, uh, people of my father's generation volunteered. My dad went in right after he graduated West High. But some people lied to get in, right? Because they fudged their age or did what you did, said, "I, I could do this or that. And God bless you for what you are doing. To me, this is such an easy situation. Putin is evil. Ukraine is freedom. Putin would destroy America if he could. You guys are the canary in the coal mine. And if you guys lose, then we're next, right? Yes, that's true. And yeah, it's, it's for me, it's uh, actually... 
Well, it's a big joy to uh, listen uh, that you accept this situation not as a local conflict between Ukraine and Russia. This is a global war in just beginning and uh, and and just from the position of United States completely depends what will be next, what what was going on in the world on the, all over the planet. Because can you imagine that leaders of the free world in the past uh, could stop the Hitler just in the beginning after when he made occupation of Austria. Uh, all of them could stop him and actually stop the millions of the innocent uh, casualties. So so in this situation, this the situation looked the same. And now the United States and uh, the countries of the free world took the great conclusion and lesson from those period. And now they're trying to stop the third world war just in the beginning because the the china the iran they are very closely and very attentionly looking what's going on because china right. would like to invade they they're closely monitoring the course of events in ukraine and, and, because and, yeah if i could just to keep the theme of my podcast and to be honest with you one of the reasons i do this show is that you can include some American politicians. I don't want you to say it because I know you want support from Republicans, Democrats, anybody you can get. But I see this as a battle between tyranny and freedom, between fascism and freedom. Would be aristocrats, you know, autocrats. And I see one in Donald Trump. And I'm even to the point where I will say this to you that I worry about what's going to happen to Ukraine as a distraction when the January 6th committee starts putting on their evidence the second week of June. Have you thought about that, Greg, uh, Lieutenant? I, I don't know. I worry that uh, Putin timed this for a reason. Can you think of the reason? I, I, I'm worried about June. Well, I, I will tell that uh, actually I'm a soldier of Ukrainian army and and it's not allowed to me to make any comment of home affair of the United States. Right. And you're right. We have the total, total support from uh, all political parties of the United States, from Democrats, from uh, Republicans. And this is a totally right. the same. And, Mitch and, McConnell and we went so- over there. That was beautiful. And I love it. And there are yes, Ukrainian uh, uh, legislators in American Congress. And But for Rand yeah. Paul, it's a beautiful bipartisan issue. And I've never seen yeah. so much money approved. Tell me, and, is, and, it, and, is it going to make the difference? I mean, America seems to be spending a fortune is it getting to the right places? Yes, uh, and, I, and I have to tell that actually we're really very carefully looking what's going, what was happening in the United States in different issues, like abortion issue, like issue of the legal weapon and other issues. So, so there is a very hard discussion uh, about different topics, but we are so happy that the issue of Ukraine really unites your nation. We are really happy about that and uh well and and, and you know what i want you to be happy about it and i have a lot of a passion for israel too and 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 i do and we want bipartisan support and i understand completely but i'm telling you i watched a little fox news a little laura ingram and people questioning why are we sending so much money 
And we heard what Trump said about Putin kind of being a genius when he was just going to annex that part of Ukraine. I'm sure you have those worries, and I don't want you to talk about it anymore. And I want to turn it over to Greg Gold. Well, what what we have done, uh, Lieutenant Gorgon and I, when we in our short time together when we met in Lviv, is that we have said, what can we do right now? Bring over equipment. That's fantastic. But what can we do to outfit and to be able to have a personal connection? Because there is no doubt America has given $40 billion. And if I'm right on my news, I think some of the, our, our European allies have given $17, $17 billion. But what can we have to have a personal connection so that people in our Denver community, our Colorado community can give? And what, what Lieutenant Gorgon and I have set up or in the process of setting up is a program called Heroes and Allies, where a Colorado group, a Colorado citizen, can outfit an individual platoon. And right now, we've got about one week into this, but you can actually, our website, the Gold Law Firm website, thegoldlawfirm.net, at the very top, under free consultation, boom, donate to the Ukraine, and that will take you to to the Come Back Alive Fund which is no middleman, provides the drones, night vision goggles for the, for an individual platoon. So uh, Lieutenant Gorgon and I had an evening working together, thinking what else can we do and what else needs to be done. And I'm going to let Lieutenant Gorgon talk about in terms of a lobbying effort and in terms of a THAAD missile defense system on what else is practical, pragmatic, and will make the difference as really could have been done in Poland in 1939, Austria in 1939. If you cut it off at the beginning, it's not going to go on for f- four years, five years, and another catastrophe. So, Lieutenant Gorgon, tell us about the THAAD system and the idea that they've sent out thousands of missiles into Ukraine with not the air defense system that you guys uh, need and deserve and that uh, the, the world is counting on you for. Okay. Um, um, I, first of all, I would like to say that what is a uh, missile attack uh, the Greg uh, Gold uh, felt when he arrived to Ukraine? Because, uh, I, I, first of all, I, I would like to say uh, the, my impression about this brave man, because those days when Greg arrived to Ukraine was kind of complete, complete uh, horror and fear, because uh, in Ukraine it was not a kind of uh, chaotic panic uh, but it was a huge fear of uh, coming May Day of victory because in Russia every everyone was uh, thinking what Putin will do on uh, May May ninth because this is a huge holiday in Russia. Russia make it like a day of victory about the Nazism, and Russia is telling that just this country. Uh, kind of won the Second World War with no allies. So every everybody in Ukraine was really very kind of uh, under the fear was was going on how many missiles will will come to Ukraine, and uh, a lot of people was trying to go out of country. And the Greg Gold arrived, and it was really very very un, un, uh, strange because the majority of people was trying to go out of country, and he came in so uh, i would like to uh, kind of say thank you one more time because for ukrainians it was a very very kind of loud 
sign that Americans standing with us in these hard times. So, and uh, the case... Now, Lieutenant, Lieutenant, can can I just interrupt? Because I know a little more about this story. Because it was two weeks ago that I had him on from Krakow. He had a friend named Rudolph. And I brought up May 9th because we read about things and we thought Putin was going to do something wild. And I know Greg Gold long enough that even though he was in Krakow and I was just listening to him, I could hear that the wheels were turning and he was contemplating the possibility that May 9 would be a terrible day to be there. But he went anyway, maybe because he made that commitment on the podcast. It would have been bad if you would have turned tail. <laughs> Go ahead. Peer pressure oh, works. Yeah, so, so, <laughs> yeah, no, the, you so, put so it on be, yourself. Go ahead. So to be in Lviv those days was really, really a kind of a, I would say, uh, insane idea because it was more dangerous than to be somewhere in a Donbass region, uh, more dangerous than somewhere in Odessa or another because Putin hates Lviv hates with all his black heart because Lviv is a kind of capital of Western Ukraine where the patriotic uh, kind of uh, spirit is so strong. So, and everybody was uh, waiting that he can just shoot hundreds of missiles. Is that your hometown? Is that your hometown? No, it's not. No, no, no. I, I was born nearby Lviv, in, nearby Ivano-Frankivsk, in the city Kalush. And this is the same name of the musical band which won Eurovision contest uh, kind of a week ago. So I, I, I was born uh, in a Carpathian mountain in the western Ukraine, but Lviv is quite near. And, and everybody thought that, that Putin will just uh, kind of erase the city uh, to dust. <laughs> and and Greg came just in these days there, so it was really really brave deed, and I was really shocked. I was really shocked, and everybody who was with me in my uh, crew uh, was really impressed of this brave deed. So, uh, but if we are talking about Tha'at system and then the system how to protect uh, Ukraine against missile uh, missile attack, so. Can you imagine even today in a little city, city Lozova, nearby Kharkiv, was a missile attack with a huge um, missile uh, caliber, Russian missile, hit the art, huge, nice art center and destroyed it completely. And if you will see the video footage, because there is in the uh, internet, uh, this right. Well, no, I, I think we yeah. all know the technology Iron Dome, but isn't yeah. that something so, that people on yeah, our yeah, level? What what can we do, Greg? And so, uh, um, what what we can do, and what Lieutenant Gorgon and I spoke about, is that you can. I, it gets down to the basics of how our democracy works, not a, how a totalitarianism works, not how a dictatorship works. It is calling and meeting with your congressman and calling and meeting with the senator saying what they need in the Ukraine is the THAAD missile defense system. Absolutely, we they need the THAAD missile defense system. They've got to have air support. I'm, I'm starting to learn a little bit more about war taxes. They have to have air support. They have to have missile defense systems. And 
if we ask in, in Senator Bennett, we ask ask anybody who we have connections to, people who are listening in says, get them the THAAD missile defense system. That makes a difference, isn't it? What we were talking about, Lieutenant Gorgon, is that's the yes, that's it. Absolutely, absolutely, Mr. Gold. Because, well, uh, there is a lot of kind of happiness about the supplies from the United States with the land lease program. For example, artillery, all other systems, the, uh, the javelins. But in the same time, uh, we have to understand that the biggest damage which Russia caused to our country is the results of the missile attack. Because it's just like hidden choking of our country. Uh, I, I have to say for the last days, we, we, we kind of had to take back our troops from the very strong defensive position. And why? Just because we cannot deliver fuel and uh, ammunition in time. Why we cannot deliver in time? Because our bridge is destroyed, because we have no, uh, not, not fuel enough from the, our gas uh, station. So, and all this missile attack cause us very, very tangible damages. So we need to protect our sky, uh, we cannot. Uh, we cannot even uh, in this situation uh, kind of protect our infrastructure and uh, uh, proper working logistic. This is a very important when we are talking about the military action, because from 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 your ability to deliver supply on a position uh, is is just the 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 way how you how you kind of can get a victory on the battlefield. Without ammunition, without food, without soldiers who will kind of make replacement in their shifts, so we cannot win. So that's why we need to protect our sky, because the missile attack is choking us. So so what we have is, and I do, I do study and appreciate the history of World War II, but what we have is Ukraine alone. You think of England alone. Belgium army was gone. French army is gone. Polish army is gone. America sitting on, on the sidelines doing the Lend-Lease program, but you had England for a time that says, that, and if we're even defeated, Churchill said, we will find parts of our Commonwealth that will come out and we will go on and on. So we have Ukraine without any air support taking on the strongest, one of the strongest armies in the world and fighting them pretty damn good at this point but they need air support just as what happened over the battle of britain they need air support and they need missile defense we cannot allow ukraine to be able to take on this war just like england did at the very start of it without air support and without missile defense and that's well, what I we thought. are recording midday on friday the ukrainian foreign minister went on the record saying thank you america for all this money Thank you some other countries for this and that. But he castigated NATO, said NATO really hasn't done jack. And now we have Turkey holding up the positive development of Sweden and Finland wanting to join. What's your perspective on all of this, Lieutenant? And if you want to take a pass on it, I understand. Well, but I will, yeah. yeah, I cannot also kind of comment this uh, case about Turkey, but I, I would like to say that it's quite pretty when some country try to use this very sensitive situation for own purpose. Well, uh, I do understand concern talking about uh, his kind of uh, issue about Kurdistan and other stuff, but this is a completely different story. 
what the Finland and Sweden trying to protect themselves, to defend themselves from the Russia at this moment. And I also would like to say the huge thanks for American nation for such a big uh, support and help. And this is not case about land lease. Of course, we need artillery. And your your house is... Uh, uh, M777 make miracles now in our front lines. Your your guns is really amazing. Of course, we are waiting for your aircraft. We are really um, dreaming about F16 or A10 Thunderbolt too. This is just how how our dream war hold to to, to right. But, but what do you say? What, what do you say, sir, to those of us who have nightmares about a nuclear attack by this madman Putin? Is that something we well, should worry about? No, I think no, because uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure that if we will defend just our territory and uh, he will see that uh, we make a lot of uh, casualties to him and then and, and that Russians coming uh, home in the uh, thousand and thousand of them. So, so he, he he will command to withdraw his uh, troops, like he already did when we won the battle for Kiev, when we won battle for Kharkiv. He he just command them take uh, take out. So so for for him is not a big deal. And in the same time, I would like to say that actually we have uh, more than just a weapon from United States. We have your support. And it's very important to understand all times when America joined the world war, the good won. For example, first world war or especially second world war, the moment when United States joined the uh, campaign, it was a kind of uh, moment of breaking the scenario. So in this moment, we, when when we see that that your support gives us uh, motivation, gives us hope, and that's why our troops is uh, fighting till the end on, on the position right now. Let's personalize it just a little more, Lieutenant. Uh, first of all, welcome to Craig's Lawyers Lounge. You are a practicing lawyer. What was your specialty, or did you do it all? Well, the, my specialty for the last time, I, I, I kind of have to switch from time to time because uh, kind of this is demand of time. Now I'm practicing in a very special uh, field is the IT law. We are working with a company who developed the software and we have to protect uh, the uh, kind of copyrights and we have to uh, protect the uh, very sensitive information inside of uh company like all dna agreements and other uh, kind of uh, agreements which which protect uh, information from the leaking so we are working well, you, with this you were over here you know what we call that money making lawyers <laughs> i bet you made a lot now greg and i do personal entry law i kind of made my name my first 15 years as a prosecutor and you mentioned the word the damages and we see the pictures the destruction rot and I see war crimes. I see war crimes galore. You're a lawyer. I love it that it's yes. all being documented. But what what is the future? Uh, glory to Ukraine. Will Ukraine survive? Can they win this war? And what can we do to Putin? Can we defeat him? Can we prosecute him? How does this end? 
I, I'm sure that the, the Russia as a country uh, of this crime regime will be collapsed. Uh, the Russia uh, for sure will collapse because uh, the, 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 probably some Americans ask themselves what it's fuzz about, why this war is happening. And I will tell for people who are quite straight, I will tell you why the Putin uh, trying to invade Ukraine. Because we have country with the open society. We have the country with the uh, free and honest elections. And this is a very big problem for Putin because he's trying to keep his country as a huge prison for own people. And uh, w- we really make him angry and crazy about this. Uh, can I and ask you we, this? Yeah, as you may, yeah. And do you hold the Russian people blameless? I mean, how do you feel about it? I, I hate Hitler. I hate Stalin, too. Yes. And yes. I, I have animosity. I did toward the Germans of that era and I suppose the Soviets. But how do you feel? Do you hate the common Russian? Do you feel sorry for them? How do you feel? Well, uh, before of war, I was really sorry about them because I, I, I kind of have, have behaved to him like for slaves, like for hostages right. of, of his regime. But after war started and when I saw this, this really horrible war crimes, which was made by Russian soldiers about the Ukrainian people, well, I have a very kind of uh, horrible personal story because uh, the brother of my wife, my brother-in-law, was killed, and I was searching for his uh, body in uh, different morgues. And this was really, really horrible story. And I saw more than one hundred corpses, uh, tortured people without noses, without lips, without ears. Uh, I, I saw children killed for nothing for just for nothing uh, i i i saw doubt uh, this this really even hard for me to 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 to, to describe and uh, and I, and i now i i completely changed my uh, my position about regular russian people i really hate them i really think that the they're not putin made made them like this they made Putin as a as a beast because this nation really was asking for leader like this. And if 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 Putin will 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 be dead in in situation like this, they will elect or or, or take one more uh, psychic like him. So so that's a, that's a problem. And I think that Russia will collapse because. Uh, it's it's just like total total degradation of the of the society and and the and the, and a human. Right. So that's, yeah. that's what will be like this. Wow, powerfully said. And I'm no expert on World War II, but I have been fascinated about Russia's liberation of Hungary as Eichmann rushed to implement the final solution and what they did. So it fascinates me, Lieutenant to think about your attitude toward the Russian people. And I did read that book by Alex Kershaw called The Envoy about Raoul Wallenberg and when the Russians liberated Budapest and how harsh they were on the people there. And then they ended up 
putting the Iron Curtain down on Hungary, and we know how that ended in the 50s. In the meanwhile, they raped women, and it's painful to talk about, but is that what's going on? They're killing the men. You described that horrific scene in the morgue. Was it mainly men? Was it women too? And are you hearing stories about organized rape, rape as a war crime? Yeah, in this war, uh, all this torches, killing, raping of innocent people was a kind of weapon which was not just accepted uh, from uh, commanders of Russian army. They they were very likely and... uh, provoke uh, and and promote this kind of uh, using of this kind of weapon against Ukrainians to terrorize us to uh, to spread a panic and fear because in this in this particular case everybody now felt that Russians they are not trying to convince us in something to promote some position knowledge some ideology they want just to kill us they want to kill us all and they want to destroy our cities. They don't need Ukraine. They need just totally burned land here. A huge dead buffer zone between Russia and the free world. And that's that's a problem. We are not fighting just uh, kind of to have some ideology. We are fighting to stay alive. That's that's a, a kind of uh, point, and well, I, I I also would like to say that uh, I'm I'm really glad that more than forty countries helping us, but they are helping. Some of them they are helping not because of goodwill. They are helping because the United States give some kind of standard of participation in this global war. Lieutenant Gorgon, when I talk to you, and this is a, a podcast that we're having, if you can give a physical description of not, we don't want to know tactically where you are, but we want to understand where you are. As you talk to us right now on the other end of the world, sitting at, at, at nighttime, um, where, are, where, where are you? What does it look like there? Well, uh, I cannot tell you details because this kind of military secret, I can tell you that I'm in the north part of Ukraine, near border with near border with Belarus and Russia. We have a kind of point where the borders of three countries is kind of uh, going in one place. We have a strong shelling from the Russia side to the villages of the Chernigiv and Sum region. They're trying to kind of uh, destruct our forces and uh, freeze us here. Do not give us opportunity to take our forces to the Donbass region. So, and we are trying to kind of make our uh, borderline with the Belarus and Russia as strong as possible. We make some forces position. So I'm here. And actually at this moment, uh, I'm in, uh, uh, I'm in a place when the headquarter of our battalion is located. And does life go on? I mean, what about food? Where do you get it from? We hear about Ukraine being, Ukraine's the breadbasket of Europe. Uh, Are farmers working? Are people doing their jobs? How do you get fed every day? 
Well, that's that's not like usual because we have a. I, I can always, I can even not describe you the problem with the fuel. What we have, we have a lines for miles nearby every gas station, and you can get just a few gallons of the petrol because this is kind of limit, and people cannot provide a usual life, make business to for, for farmers. That's a really horror because they need fuel now like never because this is a spring they need to work hard uh, to seed uh, their crops so so that's a that's a problem and i will i will say that now the world now feeling the consequences of this war because it's already been hard all the world but the the russia is trying to use a hangar as a weapon against the war uh, the, the russian military is blockading the key ports of ukraine the border is uh, kind of uh, cannot provide uh, necessary kind of uh, logistic ability to for 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 Ukrainian grain. So so for Ukrainian farmers, it's really hard to sell or store their crops. I'm, I'm so a in this case, I, they, right? No, yeah, I'm, I'm a yeah. rookie at this, but I, I, I've educated myself enough to know that Stalin deliberately starved millions of people in Ukraine, and he did it to wipe them out. My people, I'm a Jewish guy, we suffered, and it, it was atrocious. Cannibalism took hold. It's just unbelievable. And then when Putin started venerating Stalin, that was a big red flag that the world should have noticed, and now he's willing to starve people out again. I need to ask you about the history of Ukraine because it includes Bobby R. And there's a park in Denver, not far from where Greg lives, called Bobby R. Park, where Jewish people and some Ukrainian people remember Bobby R. And what happened, and Russia and Putin is trying to portray that Ukraine's full of Nazis, and I've been taught that there were Ukrainians on the wrong side of pushing the Jews into the pits at Bobby R. And yet I think that Ukraine's had freedom, just like Germany's had freedom. And freedom is a powerful thing. And it's the only thing that you've experienced because you're younger than me and you love freedom. You're willing to fight for freedom. Please tell me that the anti-Semitism is by and large gone in Ukraine. And I think that's evidenced by Zelensky being the president. And I think the other top guys are you too. So talk to me about that. Well, uh, I have to say when, when we heard uh, in speech of Putin, that he would like to provide anti-Nazi campaign uh, in Ukraine, it was total absurd because Ukrainians in Europe, the most loyal and friendly nation to the Jew. And uh, by all social studies and researches, we are the most kind of uh, friendly and safety country for, for the Jew because for a lot of Jew with a, like a second motherland uh, because in Ukraine was born a founder of uh, Hasid, Hasidism Hasid, Baal yeah. Shem Tov Hasidic yes. Jews, right and my family, yes, but, uh, my maternal yeah, grandmother was married in Kiev and lived there for a long time yes, Baal Shem Tov uh, the kind of founder of the Hasidism was born here as well as Sadiq Nachman, the founder of the yes. Braswell Hasidism. So all the key person of the 
uh, Jew culture was born here. So, and we do not uh, take them as a stranger, as a foreigner. We accept Jew nation as a Owen, as a native. They are, as the Ukrainians, they are kind of uh, they, they 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 are native population of our country. So so every everybody really really in favor of of, of the Jew. We are really accept the Holocaust as the biggest tragedy of the humankind, and and of course we had a hunger. This, this was a very very dramatical disaster and you was right the millions of people was was died because of hunger and and the parents was forced to eat oven children that's something incredible mm. this something really really incredible but we still think that that holocaust this is really something out of the list of the of the tragedy of the human kind so and 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 I will say even my military call sign is Zion uh, because I I I, I really uh, loud how Israel is making his own country strong and and uh, powerful and actually a lot of uh, usual Ukrainians consider themselves like I will say true like Zionists because we we like the model of Israel like country who become a free and strong and have very aggressive surrounding as we have now so so it's really ridiculous to to uh, for us even to explain something that we are not uh, against uh, Jews this really absurd total absurd you and, know what though uh, uh, really- here in denver we have a centuries old publication called the intermountain jewish news and i'm showing an above the fold headline Zelensky excoriates Israel, which is a fancy word for when he spoke to the Knesset, he said, what are you doing? And meanwhile, Naftali Bennett, the prime minister, has been going to see Putin. He's also seeing Zelensky. You're a lawyer. You're a smart guy. Do you think Israel is doing the right thing or do you think they should do more too? Well, Israel, I think, make kind of mistake because Israel trying to play with the Russia because Russia have influence in Syria and Israel trying to keep kind of kind of agreement security agreement that that Russia uh, will influence on Syria and right. all this playing about Iran because uh, the Israel is really afraid that Iran can become a nuclear uh, country so, but in the same, uh, they, they, they will sorry about this position very soon. And they already sorry because a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, the foreign minister Lavrov. of the Russia, Lavrov, Lavrov said, said the word Hitler, 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 Hitler was a Jew and the, the, the biggest uh, enemy of Jew nation was a Jew. And uh, they have connection to the making Holocaust. This was such a huge nonsense that uh, Israel was trying to even react very, very aggressively. And Ukraine was, uh, in this reaction, very strong too. But from... from uh, right, but, step, but they, they, there's, there are reports that Putin called Bennett to apologize for that. Do you think that's true? Because it's hard to know what's true right now. Well, they, they did not make clear and loud apologies about this nonsense. No. And I would like to tell that 
they think like this. And the, 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 they they trying to blame Ukrainians, but in the same time, right. uh, Russians and Russian society is quite aggressively uh, acting towards to the right. Jew in the world, and and they they give they give uh, money and uh, weapons to Hezbollah. Uh, to, They're the worst. Uh, you know what? I, have, have you seen Navalny by CNN? Navalny's. Uh, They recorded every bit of what happened to him. They even got the Russians to confess. Putin has this poison squad. Lavrov, for all his alleged sophistication and slapping five with Donald Trump in the Oval Office, that guy's a monster, and I'm all with you. Let me just ask you about two other bits of information to see if it's true or not. Do you believe that call from the Russian wife who told her soldier husband, It's okay if you rape Ukrainian women. And two, how about that colonel who went on the air the other night on Russia and said, you know, the Ukrainian people are tough. They're, we're in for a bad fight and we're getting our ass kicked. I, I bet you're keeping up on this. What's true? What's not true? Well, uh, actually, I was really kind of uh, in, a, in a deep doubt uh, when I heard this uh, kind of uh, telephone conversation when the the girl calling the Russian soldier and a uh, wife and talking with uh, her husband and uh, giving him permission to rape Ukrainian women I I thought I I, I, will, I will be true uh, I thought that this is some kind of fake but after that the investigator from the different media found this girl he found they they found this girl in russia they they found this man in russia with particular names with particular number of cell phone uh, the postal address of uh, their permanent living so and and that was a very solid evidence that this conversation was true and i was really shocked about that Yeah, it's amazing what the internet can do, like Bellingcat and stuff like that. But what about that colonel on Russian TV dissenting for Putin, saying it's not going well? One of the reasons I hate Putin is the lack of free press. That's a big warning sign when they start saying the media is the enemy of the people. So what's going on? Could there just be a coup? Is it possible that peace could break out? Putin could be deposed. It could end that easy. I, I think that uh, it was kind of uh, it was kind of uh, illusion that Putin is out of uh, information. They're kind of uh, sitting in the we call it warm bath uh, of uh, kind of comfort zone that they have just information which is good. But I think it's not true. I uh, I think that uh, the, this invasion of Russia is so long that Putin, I'm sure, now asking for details, and I'm sure for 100% now he is on the lowest micromanagement level. He's go, uh, saying where tanks have to go. He's making the job as a usual colonel. He's standing next by huge military map and saying to generals what they have to do. They are making a job as a kind of regular commander of the little unit. Now they are making a war uh, with, with his general. So 
Uh, I'm sure he knows exactly about the losses, casualties of the Russian army. And he tried by Owen, very kind of cruel and uh, strong control to correct this situation. No, he's, he, he, he really aware of what's going on in Ukraine. And this is not, this is a moment for America. This is not going to stop here. They're not going to say, well, gosh, we've got a little bit of Eastern Ukraine. We've got a little, little bit of the Black Sea. We're done. We're finished there. It's just, to me, the, the equivalent of what was going on in 1939, quietly. Craig, me and you have watched a plot against America to quietly sit back and say, is it America firsters or are we going to get involved in the most important thing. The huge difference here is air support and anti-missile defense for for Ukraine. And they need these tools to be able to do it. And there's two ways to do it because as I sat there at my desk, as you talked about two weeks ago, I was going to do a fundraiser. And I said, here's the fundraiser right now. Two things. And this is what Lieutenant Gorgon and I came up with. One, to be able to donate directly to the platoons so it gets to the platoons. Easiest way, we have a link right now to our website, thegoldlawfirm.net. At the top, it says, donate now to the Ukraine. Click here to support the Ukraine. Then that takes you exactly to the website that brings the the equipment to the platoons, the uh, come back home alive uh, link. That's the first thing. The second thing is that talking to Senator Hickenlooper, Senator Bennett, and saying FAD missile defense system. Those two things right there is what someone can do at the other end to say, here's what they're going to do. A phone call, a meeting, beg them, plead them for the FAD missile defense system. America can creep in a little bit, perhaps as as it did initially in World War II. It may take some attacks of something like it did in World War II on on on, uh, Pearl Harbor. But the reality is that this is not going to stop with Ukraine. They are fighting as hard as England did in, in 1940 and 1939, and they're doing it alone with with a tremendous amount of American monetary support. But they, we need air support, and they need direct action for these platoons. I'm passionate about this because I see where it's going to be five years from now. Four years from now, if we sit back and quietly just allow someone else to fight this fight without air support for, for the And Ukrainian you were just Army. over there. Is it very yes. much different than Denver, Colorado? I mean, a life in Lviv, the life that uh, Alex Gorgon was living as a lawyer in, was it first world over there? Yes. The reality is, is that it's, you'd walk around the square. I will tell you, in the spite of all the, the war, and we saw the damage to the train stations, and it was, you know, the victory day for Russia, the day that we were there. But there was a Sunday afternoon, and we were in the hotel, and there's a square. And at about 5 p.m., a man comes out with a violin, and you could hear it echoing throughout, throughout the town, throughout the old town of, of, of Lviv, and people going about, about their business. And you could picture, perhaps, as it was in Paris before before the war. And you see a choir. There's a choir, a, a Christian choir, singing gorgeous so- songs as you made your way through it. But it is also the calm before the storm. I'm, I, I, I'm moved at how beautiful it is. I'm moved at how generous and kind the, pe- the people are. But every day I say from, wow, that was an exciting adventure to I hear some of the tragedies that happen and it, it changes 
the, the, the desperation and the, and the need to be able to take action to do something before it's too late because it's not going to stop at Ukraine. They're not going to stop there if we, if we don't give air support and THAAD a uh, missile defense system. Um, that's how I feel, and I, and, I, and I feel that I'm right. I feel different about things now having talked to Alex Corgan because you sound just like a professional colleague of mine pressed into war. Please tell me your family is safe. Do you get to talk to them, at least do FaceTime calls with them, stuff like that? Well, uh, the, my family is not so safe as before because uh, my wife and my kids uh, uh, have returned to the Kiev uh, uh, two days ago. Uh, they've been in in out of out very far from the Kiev in the western Ukraine, quite safe place. But but they 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 was tired to hide themselves, so they decided to come back to the Kiev. And every day we have a kind of uh, missile attack in the Kiev or alarm or our uh, air defense system shooting the missile in the air. So. But now they are in Kiev, and I I can nothing do with this because I really respect my wife and I really respect her decision because when when all of them decided to come back, well, even in this huge risk, I have to accept this position because uh, I'm not I'm not kind of over parenting parenting them, so they are near by me. I have a three kids i have two sons and a little daughter kate uh, she is my princess i i i love her so much and i uh, haven't seen them for three weeks at all so but now they well, are near say, and I, say, say your boys names too well the my uh, older son he's 17 his name is lubomir his name <laughs> sounds like from the Tolkien story, uh, Fellowship of the Ring, Lubomir. I'll call and, him uh, Lou. My... Lou, okay. Okay, <laughs> okay the, my second uh, son, he is uh, 14. His name is Askold. Askold is a. Uh, I'm going to call him uh, O. Is it okay. start with an O? <laughs> okay, uh, no, it's A. A, okay, Askold. Well, well, we're going to call him A then. Lou and A, okay. you must be worried as a dad, a 17-year-old. Is he wanting to come join dad in the fight? Yes, he would like. And he told me that after the school, he, he would like to go to the military academy. He would like to be an uh, airborne uh, soldier. Well, and uh, and I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry that our kids dreaming about war, killing, and weapon because... Uh, I have to do it now, but in the same time, uh, I'm quite peaceful guy, and I really hate war. I'm really hate. I don't like it, but I have to do it, and I I try to do the best as I can, and I improve my skills every day. I I really have a lot of routine exercise in all my breaks between shifts. I learn tactics, parametrics, how to shoot, uh, and I and I do a lot of uh, learning. And uh, for 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 three months of the war, I'm completely other guy because I started as a total noob, and now I I feel myself very confident in the uh, military stuff. Of course, I'm very far from the level of the guys who who did it all life, but I'm really sure what I I know exactly what to do. And now my task 
to do to 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 learn how to do good enough. Oh, God bless you. I mean, you didn't even go into litigation. You were an IT guy. You don't like this stuff, but you're willing to do it. One of my favorite shows of all time is Hamilton. And I would just mm -hmm. urge you to listen to that soundtrack. You know, we may not live to tell the story. You know, they're talking about glory and people fighting for freedom and how your kids are going to be so proud of you. And I'm proud of you, Greg. Don't you think Hamilton fits this fight for freedom? It, it's a perfect fit. And it, if people get to know Lieutenant Gorgon, like I get to know Lieutenant Gorgon, it is he's a spectacular human being, and you want him leading you into battle. You want him leading you in battle in every single situation. All right, I propose a home-and-home home series. When peace comes to Ukraine, I'm going to bring my two boys over there. Greg's got three kids. He goes to Europe all the time now. So we're going to go over there and see you and free Ukraine, and you're going to come to Denver, Colorado, see Bobby R. Park, and yeah. see our world as well. Have you ever been to America? Yes, a lot of times. And I, and I had that, I had dreams perfect. In the previous times, to, to be in a, a Colorado because I like the Boulder City. This is a kind of Mecca, the the capital of the triath triathlete on of the world. I I, I made Ironman uh, triathlon twice in my life, uh, and uh, and I was dreaming to make one more in the Colorado because you have kind of very strong triathlon uh, sport field. So so, but the war is canceled all my plans for 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 sometimes i don't know what was going on what will be next so so I, I i love triathlon so much and i and i would like to make uh iron man uh competition in colorado well it's a small world and you bring up boulder and you are going to share this special episode 97 podcast with the president of the university of colorado and greg and i are blessed to have children who are educating themselves up at Boulder. So it's a remarkably small world that we can do this. Everybody in the world can hear your voice, our voices, crying out for freedom and help for Ukraine. And I just can't believe these kind of atrocities can go on in the year 2022 simultaneous with this technology. Gosh, I hope this ends and ends well for Ukraine within a month or two. Is that possible? Well, I, I don't know when uh, war will uh, will be ended, but I know that it is, is depends from us, literally from us. And I know exactly that probably our generation uh, not ready to accept the truth that this is a kind of this is a very crucial moment in the history of all humankind. Because Putin, of course, he can push the button and destroy all planet. That's true. This possibility is real. And we, all of us, if we will show that it's not just Ukraine, this is an old world standing against this evil, he will not push this button. And I know that a lot of people still not accept this challenge as personal, but it's not Ukrainian issue. It's issue for all planet for all our generation and as greg said we we have a kind of very concrete proposal to support one particular one platoon you 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 can be in this program you can 
find your possibility how to participate how to be a, a part of this of this uh, respond to this challenge so history is being made now in ukraine and we are not happy about that because we are battlefield between good and evil but we do rely that uh, that americans will will still stand with us and will 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 go much farther what 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 the, the Ukraine American nation is doing for Ukraine? Well, God bless you. Yeah, Greg, give out yeah, the you. give out the law firm website again. Yeah. How people can help this platoon? And this is how it goes directly to them. It goes right through the goldlawfirm.net, and you go right up to the top. It says, "Click here to support Ukraine." That will take you to the to the link for the Come Back Alive Fund that gives it directly to each each individual platoon. There's a photograph I will say of uh, Lieutenant Gurgan and I on that link too. If you go to the the click here Ukraine, but it's the heroes and allies. You go to the goldlawfirm.net, click here to support Ukraine, and it takes you exactly right right to the the spot where you can donate, and the money will go directly for military aid for Lieutenant Gurgan and for Ukraine. And let's just I can't say it even more: good versus evil, and that's what's going to we got to put put a stop to immediately. That's what we like as trial lawyers. Greg and I are both trial lawyers. We like. Battles between good and evil. As for me, I've always yeah. had trouble identifying with a political party because I'm politically independent. I see shades of gray almost everywhere, but I don't see it here. Putin is evil personified. Watch Navalny. Listen to Lieutenant Alex Gorgon. We're going to say it loud. I love it that social media said you can even talk shit against Putin on social media. And I don't like to pray for bad things to happen to people, but I do when it comes to Putin. I say, poo on you, Putin. Get away. You, Your kind has to be removed from this earth. You can't be in power anymore. It's tyranny. We're, we're beyond that. Freedom is the way to go. De-Putinize Russia. That's what needs to be done. Right. Yes, that's true. That's true, and I and I'm really, really seriously worried that that he's personally uh, make people angry. I don't like that about this invasion that we start to hate somebody, but we have no other choice. We really have no other choice because when you see the killed children, raped women, that innocent people, you cannot stay without righteous. Righteous fury, and and that's that's also the huge lot of our generation, which we have stopped on our our generation. We cannot pass it to our children. Right, and they probably I know this. I believe this. They condemn Ukraine as being an ally of America. Look at you guys. You are America, which means that if they ever had a chance to come to Denver, they'd rape our women too. Think about that. These are bloodthirsty monsters. It's the rule of mobsterism. It's Putinism. And I won't bring American politics into it, but I think there's a home front, too. Let's rally behind Ukraine. Lieutenant Gorgon cannot thank you more. And I, I can't, I, I just want to stay in touch with you. So you need to stay alive. Okay, you got that? Yes, I got it. I got it. And we're talking. Thank, yes, I, I, I'm ready to give my life. I'm really ready. I have no fear by myself, no fear at all. 
even under the shelling. I, I, I'm not just laying down immediately and other stuff. I have no fear, no fear at all about myself. But I, I have fear about my, my mates and my buddies in my uh, platoon. I have fear about my kids, my family, my friends, my country, the future of my nation, the future of the free world. I have fear, a huge fear about that. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm really, really uh, kind of careful about what I'm doing and how I how I'm uh, acting on the battlefield. Wow. Can I just say that we're afraid for you, and I believe you, and that shows your total dedication, and it's rare you see that. I, I hear the intensity, and I know you've been through a lot, and I know you've seen a lot, and a lot of your countrymen have paid the price, and we're all rooting for you, okay? And... That's what Greg and I tell our clients who have sometimes had earth-shattering events. First of all, when death occurs, there will be no justice because you can't bring people back. But in this world, there's good luck and bad luck and peaks and valleys. And Ukraine's in a valley right now, but the whole world is looking at the courage of Ukraine and how you're on the front lines of freedom and I see little blue and yellow flags in my neighborhood. And you know what? I'm going to go put one up too. God bless Ukraine. Glory Ukraine. Thank you, sir. Slava Ukraine. Thank you so much, Mr. Silverman. Thank you so much, Mr. Gold. Thank you for all Americans who are staying with us, helping us, even praying, even just worrying about us. Thank you. Thank you all. Okay. Stay safe. God bless you. Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Michael, of course, is a great sponsor of my show, but more than that, he's my lawyer, my end-of-life planning lawyer, and I've got two dogs. What about you? I have two dogs right now as well. And not only do you love your dogs at home with your kids and your wife, but you get involved with dog issues in your law practice. Tell everybody about that. So I will write pet trusts, which is you can earmark money to take care of your pets. Um, You know, a lot of people, you know, they've got their dogs and they love their dogs. But then if somebody were to, you know, if if you were to pass away, you know, who's going to take your dogs? Who would would love your dogs as much as you do? I don't know that anybody would love your dogs as much as you do. But like I grew up with dogs. And so if I were to pass away, then my parents or my siblings could take the dogs. So when you set up a pet trust, you can dictate who's going to get those dogs and then who you can leave money to take care of the dogs as well. I like working with you and I think you are ahead of your time. You have 15 different locations. How cool is that? It is nice to be able to go to all the different locations and, you know, meet people where it's comfortable and more convenient for them. And nobody wants to drive from one part of Metro Denver to the other to meet with a lawyer, you will come to them. Yep, and I'll deal with traffic so you don't have to. Tell us how people can get in touch with you. My direct phone number is 720-394-6887, or they can go to my website, which is mobileestateplanning.com. And again, that's mobileestateplanning.com. And there's even a schedule, you know, there's a book an appointment link on this on the website. All right, Michael Bailey, thank you. 
Hey, maybe you know my voice and me from the first half of my career when I was Denver prosecutor. Or maybe you know me from my time on the radio and now on my podcast. But my real job for several decades now has been to fight in the civil arena for victims of crimes. I've been fighting for Colorado crime victims for the last four decades. If your life has been damaged through the misconduct of others, there's a great new Colorado law, and it's for you. It allows victims as far back as January 1, 1960, to hold accountable the perpetrators and the organizations that allowed it to happen. If you were sexually assaulted, now is the time to come forward. Let's expose the truth. Let's get you some justice. Let me be your voice for a confidential consultation. Call me anytime you are ready at 303-861-2800. Ask for Craig, Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. Hey, did I tell you we were going to have an unbelievable show? I just can't believe I ever heard a guest of mine say he's ready to die, and he might, and he said it on my show, and he's on the front lines of a battle between tyranny and freedom. I think the front line may be all over the place, but right now it's in Ukraine and Belarusia. America is about to get further divided by the Roe v. Wade decision coming down, overturning the law that came into effect in 1973 when I was a junior in high school at GW. Colorado had abortion rights long before that, but not so other states. It bothers me, and I'd like to debate it with my old debating partner, Dan Kaplis, invited him on. Let's go. Let me congratulate you on getting the ruling you always dreamt about. Here's Dan Kaplis. After I invited him, after he told me he's just a little too busy and we all get busy, and then he has to go on vacation, and I respect vacations, but I hope he'll reconsider because I told him Kyle Clark's going to come on. I'd like you to as well before we hit episode 100. Let's do it. Let's talk about abortion. Dan Kaplis tells us here on Wednesday's show after he thus far rejected my invite. He said it's a great time to be alive because of this impending ruling overturning Roe v. Wade. It is such a great time to be alive right now. It it truly must be what it was like to be alive when slavery was unraveling. As we see now in semi-slow motion because of the way the opinion was leaked, but as, as we see, and I'm about to have some really fun sound for you. We see and we hear uh, big abortion, the abortion industry, and big abortion includes the politicians, right, who have sold themselves for power, you know, by, by you know, just condoning and expanding all of this killing. And, and so now we get to hear them abort themselves. And that is really cool. 855-405-8255, the number. So we'll come out of the gate with that. This is uh, on the Hill today. Really compelling sound and just one of uh, many examples, probably countless examples at this point of of these pro-aborts going crazy. Remember that old show, Ryan? Uh, I didn't watch it, but you may have. <laughs> Girls Gone Wild. Remember that old show? <laughs> I sure yeah, do. Yeah. It's, yes, I do. It, it, it's like abortion extremists gone wild. They, they are literally losing their minds. So he says, 
the Dems are losing their minds. The anti-life or the pro-aborts, how did he put it? That we're the ones losing our minds. Perhaps, let's have the great debate. Let's debate this because this sounds to me a little conspiratorial, kind of like when Dan keeps saying there's going to be a midterm variant as if COVID was stirred up in order for Biden to win the election. Boy, that sounds Trumpy, doesn't it? But listen to yourself. Do you hear QAnon when Jewish guys, Polis, Bennett, born of a Jewish mother, the mother born in the Warsaw ghetto, these guys are accused of wanting to kill babies? Listen to this. Truly, isn't it crystal clear that this modern Democratic Party has always been anti-woman? I mean, you just look at what they actually do in practice and that they've been anti-black. I mean, how can it be more vivid? And I'm not saying these, I'm not saying Michael Bennett's a racist or Jared Polis is a racist, but they systematically through their policies, and I'm not talking about a second, third ring policies, the policies they live for, they systematically undermine women and people of color. But anyway, let me get back to what I promised before the break. Um, Their extremism, and you know this, their extremism on abortion is going to abort them politically. And, And here is an example you don't hear talked about much, but I want you to be aware of, and I want you to be able to tell others about this, and they don't have to take my word for it. They just have to go read the law in Colorado right now. This wicked, uh, wickedly extreme new abortion law that Polis and the left push through and they all praise, uh, you know, like it's their God. And it sometimes references House Bill 22-1279. But but let me get to the meat. Let me get to the meat. Here is what they have done. Here is what they have done to open the door to killing babies after birth. Now, we all know that by design, and they brag about it, the purpose of this law is to allow that child to be killed the second before it's about to be delivered. Full-term pregnancy. We know that. They're upfront about that, and they dance around gleefully, and they're somehow joyous about that kind of wickedness. But but here is what I think their, their next step is. My personal belief is that they wrote this bill specifically to open the door to giving the mother the ability to kill the child after birth. To me, the zealots are on the far right. Like Greg Lopez, who once again runs for governor, I had my issues with that guy. We almost got the red flag law in the first time, the Zach Parrish memorial law. Even George Brockler was for it then. But no, Greg Lopez was the only guy running for the GOP governor's spot four years ago who said, Nah, we, we can't have a red flag law. It's going to lead to a parade of horribles. Where where are they? It got passed a year later. Not as good a version. In any event, I know Greg Lopez. Now he's running for governor again. He just told Kyle Clark that, well, he didn't tell Kyle Clark. He demanded an interview with Kyle Clark to float a theory of an electoral college type system of voting in Colorado where it would not be one man, one vote, but the smaller counties have more power, just like in America. And this guy went on with Dan Kaplis. He goes on with Kaplis, with Brockler. He's essentially unchallenged, but he was challenged when he said, 
I want some publicity for this crazy idea. I need another sit-down interview with Kyle Clark because you guys on Denver Trump Radio, you're beating the crap out of him. And if I can bounce off Clark too, maybe I can get the people who are Meshuggah, that means crazy, loco on the right. Maybe I can get them to hate Kyle Clark too and like me since I don't like Kyle Clark. And I can get the attention if I talk about Kyle Clark like Peter Boyles did living off that guy. He called Sport Coat Boy. Anyway, Kyle Clark's a big deal. Kyle Clark's a guy who has a big audience on Next News, on Nine News. Next on Nine News, that's what they call it. Anyway, he had me on after Charlottesville to talk trash about Trump. I accommodated because that's the way I felt. Anyway, Greg Lopez won it back on Kyle Clark and he told Dan Kaplis, and Dan's not happy. Before I play that, let me tell you why Dan's not happy. Kyle Clark got into it with Dan over Douglas County Schools. Kaplis and Brockler went on their show saying some smart guys should get the names of all the teachers who were walking out in protest of the firing of the superintendent they liked when the conservatives took over the school board. And then sure enough, there was such a request, and the board was ready to comply when at the last minute they said, oh, it's been withdrawn. Then people did a core request for who was it. And Douglas County resisted till they could resist no more, and it turned out to be Michael Kane, a lawyer who is in the law firm of Dan Kaplis. And Kyle Clark said this about that. Douglas County teachers were in fear earlier this year. Conservative talk radio hosts were threatening to out teachers by name for leaving class to protest district leadership. And now we know it was the law partner of attorney and talk radio host Dan Kaplis who was the one who requested the names, then pulled that request at the last minute. More than a thousand Dugco staff members called out on February 3rd as the conservative majority school board prepared to fire the superintendent. Talk radio host George Brockler said that the teachers' names should be public so that parents could confront them. Kaplan said on air the teachers should be named for abandoning the children. Nine News sued under open records law to find out who it was that then tried to get the teachers' names. And today, a judge ordered that name released. It was Michael Kane, Kaplis's law partner. Kane told us that he was doing it in his personal role as a Doug co-parent. Kaplis said tonight he didn't know that his law partner had put in a request for the teachers' names on the same day he said this on the radio. Each and every one of those names should be public record. Each and every one of those names should be public record. Tomorrow, if you truly are sick and you're a teacher in Douglas County, may be the wrong day to be sick because somebody smart is going to get the names of everybody who's once again abandoning the children. And uh, every parent should know that and everybody should remember, starting with the politicians who abandoned the children. Kane told us that he withdrew his request as a favor to the school district after being asked. Delco Schools says its legal team reached out to Kane to back off. And then it got worse between Dan and Kyle because... Kyle Clark alerted us all, I didn't hear this on Dan's show, that he said this pediatrician, Dr. Caraveo, the Democratic nominee and the new CD8, is an abortionist. Kyle Clark says, no, she's just a pediatrician. A doctor running for Congress in Colorado is being smeared as an abortionist. She's a pediatrician. 
The Republican opponent and the talk radio host making this claim have not been able to point to evidence to support what they're saying about Dr. Yadira Caraveo. Caraveo is the presumptive Democratic nominee in Colorado's new 8th Congressional District in Adams and Weld County. She's a practicing pediatrician and state house representative. Caraveo's talked openly about speaking with pregnant teenagers about their health care options. Lori Sane, a Republican running in the 8th District, along with talk radio host Dan Kaplis, have both claimed, without evidence, that Dr. Caraveo has performed abortions. Her spokeswoman says it's not true, and they don't know where Sane and Kaplis are coming up with this kind of thing. Who's going to vote for an abortionist? And I understand this, this doctor does more than conduct abortions, but the simple fact that she has conducted abortions and you tell us that she's proud of that and advertising that? We asked Kaplis for evidence of his claim, and he said that Caraveo could come on his radio show to refute what he said. He later told us that he has told his radio audience that he is not currently concluding that Caraveo performs abortions. Sane could provide no evidence to back up her claim either. So you can see why Dan Kaplis would be mad. And when Greg Lopez brought up the fact that he wanted more FaceTime with Kyle Clark to put his electoral college theory together, well, Dan objected, and it went like this. I think I made a friend with Kyle Clark because he reached out and said, hey, Greg, I heard you made a policy or you shared a policy with the people. I'd love to get more about it. And so uh, we responded, hey, we'd love to do an interview with you. So hopefully that happens. One one man's personal opinion for reasons that I've said on air, and this is just my personal opinion. He is, in my 30-plus years on air, he, he is the least trustworthy person in media I've ever encountered. Just one guy talking about his own experiences. I think Kyle Clark is a tool of the left. And and I think that uh, nobody, and th- again, just my opinion, <laughs> I, don't think, nobody. I don't think anybody, any conservative should trust him, not only to be fair, but should not trust him to accurately quote him. That's right. And he yeah. doesn't. But you know what? We got to go ahead into the lion's yeah. into the. Oh, hey, listen, den, right? I, and, I love that. And, and Trump was very good at that. All I'm suggesting is just be clear eyed about the fact of of what he's doing, oh, in know. my opinion, and, and that you cannot trust him at that point. I'm, I'm with you, as I've told him yeah. repeatedly, have me on your show. Come yeah. on my show. I'm not afraid <laughs> of the conversation. I'm not afraid of the back and forth. I know what I believe and why. So let's do it. Let's tee it up. Yeah. And, and guess what? <laughs> he is never up for that. Hey, thank you, man. I got to go, Greg, or they're going to fire us both. See ya. Thank you. Greg Lopez. The station's going to fire us both? That's interesting. The K. Howard is the KNUS. I get them confused now. Anyway, Greg Lopez was going to be fired, too. But first, I understand Kyle Clark's bad guy. But I'm excited about Kyle Clark right away telling me, yeah, I'll come on. I'll talk about this, Dan. He said he's busy for a few weeks, and then he has vacation. But maybe he'll change his mind. I hope so. That would be a heck of a show as we march toward episode 100. I think episode 97 here has been epic. I hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, could you please rate our show? Maybe on Apple, wherever you get your podcast. Five stars is nice. Beautiful comment. Love it. Thanks for listening. Until next time, bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Tune in live every Saturday morning, 9 to noon, Mountain Time. 
Visit thecraigsilvermanshow.com for the podcast, blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe on all major podcasting platforms to be updated when new episodes are available. This has been The Craig Silverman Show.